0: Welcome to the PCOS Girls Podcast. I'm Bridget Warne, founder of PCOS to Wellness and creator of Sisterhood and Mamahood Tees.
1: And I'm Melissa Christie, founder of PCOS Pathways and creator of the PCOS Journal.
0: And guys, we are not doctors. We are just two women with PCOS who love reading about it, talking about it, writing about it,
1: basically just oversharing about it. (laughs) So we recommend you find a health practitioner you love to support you on your journey. In the meantime, this podcast is all about how we have gone from hormonal messes to motherhood, the simple changes we've made to improve our PCOS, and the ups and the downs of living with this complex condition. Let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome to the PCOS Girls Podcast. I'm Mel and I'm here with Bridge, hey? (laughs) Hi, hey, how you going? <laughs> <laughs> Good. Look, guys, today we want to talk about something maybe like it's a bit different to what we normally talk about, but oh my God, this affects our community so, so much and mm. it affects women so much. Yeah. And that is medical gaslighting. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard Crazy. the term before. We're going to totally talk about it today and kind of open up what it's about and how it's affected us and how it affects women. Yeah, and I think it's just something that has been super interesting to me lately. I can't stop reading about this kind of stuff lately. Same. Yeah. (laughs) I think
0: once you understand it and know it as well, you can't help but pick up on it all the time. Yes.
1: You're like, whoa! I know. Is I read an ABC article the other. Yes, I read an article the other day, and I was like, oh, "That's medical gaslighting." Anyway, we haven't even told everyone what it is, but um, <laughs> you guys, we've had a pretty big gap mm. between recording our last episode and recording this one because life has thrown lots at us lately, particularly at you, Bridget. Mm. It's been a pretty tough time. Yeah, it's
0: been it's been a bit tough. I'm, we're not going to go into too much detail on it here. We will probably do a big episode on it down the track. But, yeah, for the I'm sure many of you who are already following me on Instagram will know, but, unfortunately, Jesse and I did have um, a pregnancy loss, which is very sad, and we've been dealing with it and coping. And, yeah, it's just been a really – like I was just talking to Mel, we were just, I was just saying it's just been such a roller coaster and I know that you can fully relate, mm. Mel, because you've also gone – through pregnancy loss. But um yeah, mm-hmm. it's just been a really tough emotional and physically draining time. So we are we are doing so fine now. We're doing okay. We are just sort of coming out the other end of it. I've just sort of finished doing all my tests as of a couple of days ago. It seems it literally has mm. been dragging on for weeks and weeks, which I think has mm. been like the hardest, hardest thing for me. It was almost like even if I wanted to, I guess, not move on, it's not the right word, but sort of yeah, I guess it that's the only thing I can way I can put it, but you can't because you're <laughs> stuck in this medical process that you have to go through and it's just Yes. It's,
1: oh God, I, it's horrible. I think like a good way to put it is like move through it. Like yeah. you, you've got all these sort of stages that you need to move through, but when you're getting all that testing done, it's like you're still stuck in the first stage of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's still happening kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's it's exactly right. Like, yeah. Anyway, it's, uh, I I don't want to go into too much detail because I'll probably just start crying (laughs) again. (laughs) But yeah, we are, we are okay. We're doing really fine. And we're just, you know, it's, I think, put everything into perspective for us a bit. And, you know, we're, we're both really okay. I'm like, I'm honestly fine now. It's just been this really, really hard, as I'm sure everyone can understand, a really hard emotional process to go through. But we are yeah. okay and yeah so we do apologize there has been a bit of a break in terms so when from last from the last episode we recorded to this one it's going to sound like we're very different um, I'm going to sound very different in my uh, persona I think and just my general <laughs> bubbliness but yeah look mm-hmm. we are okay and we really want to do this episode because it's I think it's mm-hmm. a really important one to do and I it's also really nice for me just to be back on and sort of getting back to a bit of normality I think you throw yourself mm-hmm. into a bit of a dark corner for a while when you go through something like that. And then, yes. Coming out of it, things doing going do, going back to do, and a lot of people said this to me that had gone through again miscarriage or pregnancy loss. They said this the same thing, you know, allow yourself as much time as you need, but also know that it can be really helpful to just go back to doing little things that bring you joy, that are mm-hmm. normal to you, that you know you can do every day without too much pressure or whatever. So things like this, you know, are great are great for me. So yeah, it's good to That's be back. So and how are you, Mel? How are you going with your tribe over there?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh look as usual, up and down, but lots more up lately and just feeling like I'm in a bit more control of my life. And I don't know, just, I guess my goal is always to just hope that my life is more joyful than not (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's definitely happening more and more and more which you would think like I've just had a baby of like I should feel joyful all the time but like as I've sort of shared on here like it's just been more complicated than that and it's been a bit tough Mm -hmm. so yeah but seeing myself just I guess the opposite of joyfulness for me has just been anxiety Mm -hmm. and so seeing that more of my days aren't filled with anxiety is just like oh it's just the best oh it's such a relief um yeah and I've worked hard to try to make that happen like Mm. I'm doing a lot to make that happen and finally got yoga back in my life a bit more consistently like oh my god that just um it's really helping just to have that kind of not just me time but like Time to just like let my brain unwind mm. so that it, it's a hel- in a healthier state. Mm-hmm. Like and and then I can I can just show up to my family in a healthier state. Like that that's just priceless for me. Like yeah. So things have been going better. Yeah, and I've got. Um, I don't think I can actually really share it <laughs> yet, but I've got exciting thing things happening on the business front, and so exciting.
0: Yeah, things are good. Oh, I'm glad. I think you're doing really <laughs> well. It's tough having <laughs> a baby, let alone a newborn and a toddler. So, yeah, yeah. Mean, juggling yeah, business cool. with it is a lot.
1: Yes, it is. Yeah, it is a lot. It is. I'm finding like, uh, I think when I was pregnant, I didn't really let myself – imagine how work would work mm. with two kids like mm-hmm. I it was just like a black hole of <laughs> humanity it was just like I mm-hmm. I can't solve that issue so I'm not going to think about it mm-hmm. um and now that it's here it's like oh shit <laughs> it's pretty hard to well just something has to suffer that's yeah. my current situation is something suffers and at the moment like what it's been is essentially my sleep and so therefore my mental health mm. so I've got to figure this out I've got to find new ways of making work work because at the moment uh, I feel like you're going to cringe when you hear this but I'm literally going to bed at like midnight every night and I have a newborn like what an idiot and (laughs) you know a a four-year-old who wakes up early in the morning so it's so dumb and like I've got to fix that and it's not that I'm feeling tired all the time I'm actually like I'm handling the mm. amount of sleep I'm getting. Mm. Alma's a great sleeper. For example, last night she slept for seven hours. What? Wow. Well, I know. She's three creaky? months old. It's like, what? That's <laughs> insane. Yeah. What a dream. So she's great. I know. But where it's affecting me is my mental health. Like you look at like how to help your anxiety get good sleep. Yeah, like, it's just a no It's a no-brainer. <laughs> it's a no-brainer but I just I have so little time to mm. do the work that I need to do and um, so at the moment it's happening at night. Anyway, I'm figuring it out and I'm trying to mm. switch it all around. I'm hoping maybe I could become one of those, like, I feel like you're one of these crazy early morning risers. I'm thinking maybe well, that's what I need to do. Like, I don't really have a like some kind of like. Flynn gets up very early. <laughs> I know, but you've always been like, oh, yeah, before Fling gets up, I do like an hour of work or... Yeah, or is it no,
0: that Jessie's looking so, after him yeah, or no, We so basically, I do an hour or two of work before Jesse starts work. So we normally get up at like six ah, six thirty because that's when Flynn yep, gets up, and okay. then I start working from like six thirty to like okay. eight eight thirty, and then Jesse starts work. So I, I don't. It's not really my choice. It's okay. more just like that's the only time available. Yep, I get it. <laughs> I'm much more productive in the morning than I am at night, so. I would choose to, mm. like when I used to study for my uni exams or whatever. I would always get up early and study in the morning and go to bed at like eight thirty nine for that before.
1: Yeah, so I think this is what I've got to start doing. Mm. I think I have to just totally switch it and go to bed by like nine thirty and get up at five or something. Yeah, but
0: also it's, really it's hard just when you're I've never been up. that person throughout the night and you've got broken sleep yeah then it's different. yeah
1: like I'm trying to be easy on myself I'm like I have a three-month-old like of course there's not going to be much structure of course totally. I'm going to get less sleep and stuff but like having to go to bed at midnight so I can work is just stupid like it's not well it's not working because it's affecting my mental health so. yeah yeah so I gotta I fix it. it so yeah Anyway, we'll oh, see. It tough. doesn't help either that I'm not someone who can work and then fall asleep. Like I have yeah, to have unwind. I have yeah. to watch something. Like mm-hmm. I, I have to watch or read something for like half an hour or – so that doesn't help. No, know?
0: not at all. <laughs> then you've got another half an hour. Mm. I Yeah, I mean mm. just be easy on yourself, I guess. It's easier said than done. Yeah. I, was, I started, you know, an entire business when I was three weeks postpartum with Flynn. So that is <laughs> – that was, that's when I launched Sisterhood Tea, which is bizarre. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I think, think back I now really I was like, why did I do that? But, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had my other business, like which, how? which was also at the time I was launching my other business, Silver Fox into LA. So I had Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, New Zealand, and was launching into LA. So I was flying to LA with Flynn when he was like two months old. Like it was just bizarre. I think back oh and I'm my like, how, how did I do all this? But, um, I did it and yeah. came at the other end yeah. and you do. and But I realized I was running on adrenaline for six months and then I crashed. Yeah. And you know how yeah. you're saying, oh, I'm, tr- I'm okay with the sleep or whatever? That's what I said. I kept, yeah. I kept being like, I'm fine. I'm actually yeah. not sleepy. I'm fine. And then I realized yeah. I was really you were sleepy. Running, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shit. I'm running on adrenaline. That's so what's happening to me. No. I know. <laughs> so, I mean,
0: I think it happens to every mother. It doesn't matter how much, you know, if you're working, um, regardless of if you're working, outside of being a mum just being a mum is really yes. a newborn mum is really really exhausting plus you've got another bit be- a child yeah. and so look it's a lot but yeah. take
1: your time do your it's best a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Full on, huh? Uh,
1: anyway let's talk about medical gaslighting yeah
0: let's go from <laughs> two really exciting like two really downer subjects to another downer subject <laughs> yes uh- <laughs> this episode is brought to you by sisterhood tea Hi guys, it's Bridget Warne, the founder of PCOS to Wellness and creator of Sisterhood Tea. Sisterhood Tea is a powerful blend of herbs that has been specifically created by me to help other women like me, who may be experiencing the many frustrating symptoms of PCOS and other hormonal imbalances, which affect so many women. Every ingredient in Sisterhood is 100% natural and has a purpose. And most importantly, the ratio of each herb has been carefully weighed out to ensure the perfect amount is added into each bag to make it an easy and accessible way for you to manage your symptoms every day. And don't worry, I promise it tastes nice too. Sisterhood Tea is a powerful holistic alternative and is suitable for all women, but has been specifically designed to help support women who may be experiencing symptoms of PCOS and other hormonal imbalances, women who've been on the contraceptive pill or are coming off the contraceptive pill, problematic skin conditions such as acne and dermatitis, fertility issues, weight management, hair loss and hirsutism, moodiness, bloating and menstrual cramps, and of course, regulating the menstrual cycle. Sisterhood Tea is 100% natural, organically grown where possible, vegan, and hand-blended and packaged in Australia. The results and hundreds of testimonials for Sisterhood Tea are honestly just incredible. And some of the most inspiring stories include clearing up stubborn acne, growing back hair loss, regulating their period, and even successful pregnancies after years of trying everything else. We call them our little sisterhood babies. So if you want to find out more about sisterhood tea or read some more of the amazing testimonials, head over to PCOS2Wellness.com where I ship worldwide. This is a really Uh, important one. But this one one isn't
1: just a downer one. It's like
0: enraging. That is such a good way to put it. It, It's infuriating. It's it's so common and yet so huge. Hidden, like I feel like so many people would never even mm. realize they're being gaslit. Is it gaslit? Is that? Am I saying that right?
1: Or- I actually, I actually don't know.
0: <laughs> or gaslighted. You should have googled like it. Being gaslighted.
1: Gas gaslighted. Yeah. yeah. The Sh- gaslit just it just rolls better. Like, I know. Gaslit.
0: Look, let's just start gaslit. No one's gonna question us, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Should I say what gas lighting is? Because up until about a yes. year ago, I didn't yes. know what it actually was. Um, it wasn't no, until I started neither. seeing people talking about it. Actually, more in terms of, like the dating world, I kept hearing it pop up in yes. terms of dating, and then and then mm-hmm. I started to hear that it happens everywhere. And then you realize, hey, it happens in the medical world as well, particularly in the PCOS mm-hmm. world. Um, but just yes, in, I think the medical world in general. But uh, and I yeah, so I'll. Explain how I understand it and if it's wrong, I'll just drop in. But um <laughs> my understanding of gaslighting basically happens when one person tries to convince another person to second guess their their gut instincts or doubt their perception and make them sort of believe that it's not real. Like that's how I understand yeah. gaslighting to be.
1: Yeah, even making them question their experience 100%. of something. Yes. Like their perception, like you said. But that something that had happened happened, you know, making them, yeah.
0: And then you kind of second guess yourself and you're like, maybe that didn't happen Mm. or maybe I'm Mm over-exaggerating or maybe that's not true. But in terms of like the medical gas, so that's gaslighting in general. Medical gaslighting is essentially the same thing, but it happens within the healthcare industry by healthcare professionals to their patients. And and they'll Mm -hmm. try to downplay your symptoms or like blow them off completely make you feel like they're not real or try to convince Mm -hmm. you that there's something else or they might even Mm -hmm. make you believe that like you're imagining them that you know it's all Mm -hmm. in your head like it's not a big deal what you're saying isn't true and that's when it becomes a really 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 big issue like obviously gaslighting is a big issue in all areas of your life but when it comes to your health Mm -hmm. We're talking mm. serious stuff. Like this can be really yeah. Bad. And also, we're taught to believe our medical professionals, right? Yes. Like you might yeah, doubt your boyfriend. They're in a position of
1: power. They are.
0: Yeah, we're like they've they've gone to uni for years, right? Like they've got a position of power. We're paying mm. them for their expertise. It's different to say like you know your boyfriend gaslighting you or you know a friend or whatever. Like these are people we're paying for their expertise, and then they're sort of shutting us mm-hmm. down. So anyway, that's my understanding of it. Um, yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Same. And I think that it's also when they're you're presenting with like physical symptoms and they try to convince you or they just flat out say that those symptoms are either that they're happening because of something that's non-medical mm-hmm. or psychological. Mm-hmm. So, oh, like I've, I'm experiencing this back pain or this this really strong period pain, and they're like, "Have you got a lot of stress in your life? Yes. You know? yes. Or you've got anxiety, right? <laughs> yeah. Like this sounds like it's from your anxiety. Like that's gas. That's medical gaslighting yeah. as well. Hundred percent. Um, and it if it, it's it's what's leading to, oh, it's a big factor in what's leading to these really long time frames for getting diagnosed with Uh things like PCOS and endometriosis because we're coming in I I mean this happened to you right yeah you had to convince your doctor so hard to test you for PCOS because they just
0: I had to go to mm, five different doctors yeah. Because oh my God. no one would look further in everyone just kept saying it's it's just bad skin, here's some antibiotics. Like no one wanted to look mm. further into it, but I knew there was something not right. Yeah. And I yep. there was nothing I they were they were essentially saying to me, No, 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 it's nothing to worry about. Like it's I had one doctor literally say to me about not getting my period Don't worry, mm. like plenty of women love not having their period. Like this is a blessing for you.
1: Ugh. Right? Ugh. That's not okay. Oh, and then you That's hear okay. you hear the
0: older, uh, oh, it's not an issue unless you want to have kids. Yeah. Oh my god.
1: So this is the thing. This is the other part of gaslighting is not even just dismissing your symptoms, but also your concerns. Mm. So like I mean, everyone has experienced this where you're concerned that "Mm, like, maybe it looks like I'm reading on Google about PCOS, for example, and it seems like I have PCOS, like I've got this, this, and this symptom. And then you go and you're like, I'm concerned about this. I was reading about PCOS online. And as soon as a doctor, so many doctors hear you say that you were reading about something online, they, so many of them just get into this place of like, I almost want to say ridicule. Like yeah. they just like smirk at you like, oh, here we go. Oh, Don't use another like self-diagnosing. It's so patronizing. Yes. It's patronizing and it's freaking gaslighting. Yeah. 100%. It's not allowing you it's not letting you have these concerns. And at the like full extent of gaslighting, whether it's medical gaslighting or outside of the medical profession, like it can lead you to it can lead some people to feel like they're going crazy, like, Mm -hmm. and actually start to question themselves. Like, oh, maybe, maybe it is just in my head or maybe it is just my anxiety or maybe I didn't remember this in the right way. Maybe they didn't say that to me. Like you start to question yourself.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is, is like, oh, maybe it's not as bad as what I think it is. Like that's happened to me when, when I was going in and I was, I was just, honestly like I was so depressed I had so much anxiety about my skin and my hair because that was my biggest symptoms had not been diagnosed with PCOS and they're saying to me no you're fine like it's just it's people have way worse acne than you like your hair looks fine like where you know you you, it's not a big deal and so I'm going oh maybe it's true like there are people who have worse symptoms than me and then I kind of go what and then you kind of have to snap yourself out of it and then go no that's not right I'm Mm -hmm. finding a new doctor but like the thing is is that I could have sat with that for five years you know essentially and then that's five years of living with depression because I sort of took what my doctor said and and believed it that's so true
1: that's so true, and then you become part of that statistic about how long it takes, it takes. to get diagnosed with these conditions. Like, I think endometriosis seven years. Oh, uh, is it seven years? Seven yep. years. Yeah,
0: is it average? That's
1: yeah. Just yeah, that's just wild, and it's part of it is a hundred percent from gaslighting. Like, hmm. I actually just read an article the other day on. ABC News or something about this girl, and she was only 17 and she had been in excruciating pain since she was 12 or 13. Mm. I can't remember and had suspected endometriosis like all along. And everybody just said, It's just period pain. Like you mm. get painful periods mm. when you're going through puberty, and like it ended up affecting her life so much. Like she ended up not having friends. She had, she ended up getting bullied because she just, She couldn't even go to school. She She was in so much pain. She she couldn't function and no one would believe her. And, like, she said, like, I felt like I was going crazy. I started to think maybe it wasn't so bad. And it's just like this poor girl, like, she's Mm. 17 and this is happening to her. And I I couldn't find a statistic on this, but everything I read about medical gaslighting says that it happens more so to women Mm. than men.
0: Yeah, I saw Um, the same
1: thing. Yeah, so I'd love to know a stat like that. Maybe we should just create a poll or something. Yeah, we can just do our own <laughs> just little... to find out. <laughs> yeah. A little our little test. research. A little
0: research, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's true. What I love about learning this is having that language now. Like we've been talking about we've the whole community has been talking about how hard it is to find a doctor that takes us seriously, mm. who doesn't just dismiss us. We've been talking about it for years. And I feel like now that there's this term medical gaslighting, I don't know how long the term's been around, Mm. but I feel like that's so powerful to have that language because now I think if a doctor did that to me, I would call them on it. I would say, look, that's medical gas. You're gaslighting me right now. And I think that there's power in that because I think if I was a doctor, that would pull me up a bit.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. You'd be freaked out as well that, oh no, like this person actually knows they're their rights they Mm. they have understood what's going on they've realized i haven't given them the full information because i this is something else that used to drive me insane so when i would go to doctor's (laughs) appointment because i don't really go to the doctor very often at all um it's not my first Mm -hmm. port of call if i've got a health concern except for in the case of let's say pregnancy or things like that obviously i'm you know that's where you go to to confirm pregnancy or when i was trying to get a diagnosis because obviously only a GP can do that. Yeah. But I like I would never say to the doctors that I had a background in uh public health and health promotion because I almost felt like mm-hmm. that intimidated them a bit, that I would understand mm-hmm. things. But what I hated more than anything is when they basically just wouldn't give me, they'd say, Oh, I think you've got this, like, like they wouldn't even bother to explain to me why it happens or what's going on because they kind of just assumed that I wouldn't understand. And so they would yeah, just like totally. brush it off and be like, this is what you've got, like, you know, kind of don't question it, off you go, this is what you need to fix it. Yep. Rather than actually yep. taking the time to delve into it and explain and then I would have gone, yeah, yeah, no, I fully understand that, like I've studied this or I, I understand this or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But they just kind of brush you off and they don't even bother. Totally. And we're smart women. Even if you don't have a background in health or medicine or whatever, we're very smart. We've That's done right. a lot of our own research yes. before we've got to that point.
1: That's right. Like we're living with these conditions and these symptoms. Like we have, we have knowledge about it. Like, of course, we do. And I think doctors, and obviously, oh, I say doctors. Obviously, we're mm. never talking about all doctors, but mm. they. I think a lot of doctors become complacent because they do this they just tell us how it is mm. without us really questioning and so they don't feel like they have to understand these things fully like once you do start questioning doctors you kind of find like they don't know the answer to things yeah <laughs> and that's fine like I'm I'm fine with that like they can't know everything absolutely but If more of us did that, if more of us said things like, oh, that's actually lighting," like there'd be lots of doctors who don't even know they're Mm. doing it. In fact, Mm. I'd say most doctors don't realise that they're doing this. But if they start to have more women coming to them, being treated the way they're being treated, Mm. saying that's not okay, then that's going to make a doctor basically learn and grow as a medical professional because they're actually being questioned. They don't just in their complacent role of power where no one questions them Mm. and they don't need to know these things thoroughly. Like they'll be, I think, pushed to grow. And I think that's a good thing.
0: Absolutely. And (laughs) I I think as you said, like (laughs) no one is expecting them to know everything. 100%. That is ridiculous Mm. to assume that. Mm. But another form of gaslighting is not referring you onto a specialist or someone who can help you dive into that more or has a greater understanding. Like that is a form of gaslighting in itself by not passing you onto someone who can help you further. By keeping you in their hands and doing the small amount that they can do because they have limited knowledge on something is really detrimental and and 100% gaslighting. So definitely keep that in mind as well, I think, if if you feel like, hang on, maybe this person doesn't know that much about it or maybe they've sort of done the extent to what they know but now is a really good time to put you in the hands of someone else who might have a better understanding, like go with your gut every time, every
1: time. Yep, (laughs) Yep. definitely.
0: Oh, gosh. And the other thing (laughs) Um, that they'll do is like I found this. I don't know if you found this, Mel, but they kind of act like you're being really – Uh, Okay. I'll probably put it into context for you. When I was Mm -hmm. trying to be diagnosed with PCOS and nobody Mm -hmm. would do the testing or at this point, I had an idea that it might be PCOS because I'd been to five or six different doctors. I kept explaining the same symptoms over and over again. And I thought, what this, like, this isn't adding up. What, what more is there to what I'm explaining? Started doing my own research. Obviously, PCOS comes up. I've started to say to my doctor, I think I've got PCOS. I've Googled it, (laughs) you know. The alarm bells are ringing yep. immediately for her. She's not okay with this. Um, <laughs> no. but I said, I think I need to get the blood, the blood test done or whatever tests need to be done. Yeah. Like I'm open. Let's do them. And she flat out mm. said, no, she was like, no, we're not doing the, the blood tests. You don't need them. And I was like, but why? Oh my God. Why can't I have the blood tests? Yes. And she was like, no, you don't need yeah. them. I, I'm telling you, you don't need them. Like you don't need them. I'm your doctor. I'm telling you that you don't need these blood tests. And so I basically sat in her office and cried. And two, and I, and I mm. said I will pay for them out of my own pocket because here in Australia we have Medicare, which essentially at the doctor's discretion can decide what tests can be bulk billed. And normally with mm. blood tests like this, this is a standard blood test, hormone panel testing, right? So that should be bulk billed. Mm-hmm. She was saying, no, I'm, not, I'm yep. not waste. She said to me, I'm not wasting taxpayers' money on a test that I'm, you don't <gasps> need.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So I cried and I cried oh. and I cried and I said I'll yes. pay for it out of my own pocket. And then she said, "Okay, only once." I said that I'd pay for it out of my own pocket. Lo and behold, guess what I came back with? Get just have a guess, Mel. Mm. Guess what she is <laughs> <with? laughs> mm, What could be? <laughs> yeah, like wild, <laughs> and my testosterone was through the roof. It was basically like off the scale mm-hmm. of what she was showing me, but she yeah. didn't because I didn't fit the other the symptoms of what she thought was PCOS, which was essentially yeah. what she was looking for was someone who was overweight, and I wasn't. And I didn't have facial hair, yep. so she discounted PCOS immediately. She, yeah. So mm. I, I could have lost that entire diagnosis. I could have gone on again another year of not knowing, or two years, or three years, or just never known, you know, and live, live with it. Yeah. Um. But it is what yep. it is. So being denied tests is another really big one.
1: It's a huge one, and I think that's what leads to this these massive periods of time where people aren't diagnosed. Mm. with these chronic conditions that affect us so much. And I uh, I just think it goes back into history and the patriarchy and of, you know, women get periods, women have pain, like that's the female experience yes. is to have pain. That's normal. Yeah. yeah, that's normal. And yeah, it's not, it's, it's not, just it's not It's 100% normal.
0: not normal, but that's what we've been led to believe. Yeah. And that's again, why people go so long with living with pain and symptoms and
1: Mm.
0: yeah so look there's obviously there's like it's quite a big topic and uh, we could sit here for a really long time and go through every different example of what what's what's your biggest example that you've personally experienced
1: well for me I've got two kind of main experiences and they kind of like revolve around the knowledge that I had and the experience that I'd had and so The first one was when I came back from overseas, I'd had a miscarriage overseas. My fertility expert overseas who had helped me had taught me about progesterone, which I've talked about Mm. a lot on here where, you know, it's very important in the first trimester of pregnancy and for women with PCOS can have a hard time producing progesterone and to get it tested kind of thing throughout that first trimester. And so I came back to Australia. I wasn't pregnant yet. I said to this doctor, look, I want to get pregnant again, and I need a doctor who will just test my progesterone regularly in my first trimester, and if it's low, supplement with progesterone. And she just laughed at me, like full laughed at me. She was like, the baby produces the progesterone in the first trimester. And Mm. I knew that that was wrong, because Mm. not only had that doctor... Like not only had I read about it mm. and learnt about it, but also I had had a fertility expert explain it to mm. me that the baby starts making the progesterone around 10 weeks and before that it's the mum. Mm. So... I knew this information and it was that awkward position where you know more than the doctor yeah. and, you know, and I tried to handle it super kindly, you know, like I was like, oh, yeah, like I didn't know this either. Like I just learned this from this fertility expert mm. that actually like the yeah. man does it. And she was so pissed off. She was just in the worst mood that I'd question her. And then when I went back the next week because I had to have these other blood tests done. And I had to go back to her to get the results. When I went back and saw her, she was like, and sorry, I might have told this story already on this podcast. I can't remember. But she was like... Oh, so I had a dinner party with some of my doctor friends on the weekend, and I told them what you said about the mum producing the progesterone, and we laughed and we laughed and we laughed. Oh she, like that's what she literally said. <laughs> we laughed and laughed and oh laughed because gosh. the baby produces the progesterone, and she wouldn't test me. She's like, "I'm not going to do that because because you're wrong." Like it was it was just the full denial of. My experience yeah. that I'd had this miscarriage and this doctor had told me this information and she just would not believe it was like she just thought I was lying and it was ah oh, it was so infuriating yeah. and now I know it's because she was gaslighting me. Yeah. forgetting for getting gas if you're ever feeling frustrated by what someone's saying to you, you may notice that it's because they're gaslighting yeah. you. That's what I've noticed. <laughs> yeah. Like I've noticed it in my relationship, like on yeah. these really minor things where Matt'll <laughs> say something, and I'll be I'll be like that's infuriating. Why? I'm like, oh, you gaslighting yeah, me right absolutely. now. <laughs> you're like, that's why. And it's funny. And it's actually a really great thing to have learned. It's good for our relationship because mm. these really small things that are like annoying, it's like, oh, there's actually a reason for that. And Matt likes it too. He's like, oh, shit. Like, I am. I'm gaslighting you right now. Like, that's so he doesn't funny. even know he's doing it. And he can like be a better person because now he knows. He can pick up on it. And then. Yeah, and the other time that it happened for me that was kind of big was after I gave birth to Koji. By the way, gaslighting happens heaps, medical gaslighting, with mothers Mm -hmm, about their children, mm -hmm, concerns mm -hmm, they have mm -hmm. about their children. But this wasn't that. I'd had Koji. I was two weeks postpartum and it turned out like, I had retained tissue again. Basically, he'd had like what's called a second lobe. It's like this other placenta in pregnancy and that it hadn't come out when I'd given birth. And so two weeks later, I, you know, come down with a fever. I've, I mean, i got an infection and they've got to get this retained tissue out. And the way that's normally this is done is by having a DNC, which is surgery where they they like go in and they like remove it. And when I had a miscarriage... I had had a DNC to remove the baby because it just was not coming out on its own. And when I had that DNC, as I've mentioned before, like I had retained tissue. And when the doctor who did the surgery in India told me about it, she's like, look, we did the surgery. We couldn't get everything out because it was so fused to your uterus. And she's like, I could have scraped really hard and I could have gotten it out. But it, risk, it would have risked damaging your uterus and creating scar tissue and this condition called Asherman syndrome, which is where the scar tissue continues to grow in your uterus mm. and it can be very difficult to get pregnant. She's like, we want to try and get this tissue out on its own. You want to try and do this naturally because if I go in and do another DNC people who've had two DNCs have a 40% risk of this condition called Asherman's syndrome. And it was like, well, shit, like I don't I don't want to take that risk. And so, you know, I ended up doing it naturally and all that. But cut forward, I've given birth to coach. I've got this infection, I've got retained tissue again, I need a second, I need another DNC. And I, it just, I think there was trauma there. And mm. I just, I just freaked out. I freaked out. I was like, I can't, I can't have another DNC. I don't want to risk having Asherman's syndrome. And the doctor was just like, uh, he didn 't know what I was talking yeah, about he yeah, hadn't never heard of it. done this research, and um I was like there 's this condition called Ashman's syndrome if you have two dNCs you have a forty percent risk of getting it like i i basically i was like okay i 'm willing to have the DNC, but I want you to go in with a camera because mm-hmm. they can do that oh. and oh, my God, they just didn't want to do it. They were just like, this isn't a thing. Like, And he didn't even know about Asherman syndrome. I'm like, don't tell me this isn't a thing. Like, you don't know about it. I can... <laughs> and you're denying the fact, like, oh, that's right. They kept saying to me, do you have anxiety? Like, oh, you know, no. is there trauma here? And there was trauma there and there was anxiety, but that's not, not what why. it was. Yeah, that's not the it was reason concerned. Why you don't want it. it was a concern that I it was a, a valid, genuine, legitimate a concern, concern yeah. that I had based on knowledge and based on experience. And they were denying that experience and that knowledge and that concern and putting it down to trauma and anxiety. And I'm not even saying there wasn't trauma and anxiety, but there was yeah. more to it. Absolutely. Anyway. As soon as they found out I had private health insurance, they happily went in with a camera and I got my way. But it was only because I had private health insurance and they would Mm. make money from the procedure from my insurance Mm. company. That's a different issue. Anyway, it was, yeah, it was really distressing because I was like, I do not want these people to go in without a camera. Mm. I want them to watch what they're doing and not scrape my uterus till I have scar tissue. Mm. Like, anyway, (sighs) Sorry, that was a lot of energy. <laughs> <laughs> I do that. I do that you sometimes. You got all out.
0: That's amazing. You've vented. <laughs> and... <laughs> but um, I actually never heard of that oh. either,
1: so
0: that's really interesting. I didn't know that was a yeah. – I knew that they say, like, you shouldn't have more than, you know, ultimately, if you can avoid having multiple DNCs. I didn't know that there was a re- – mm. I, well, I didn't know what the reason was for it, so that's really
1: interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's an awful condition. It really can – um, make it very hard to have babies. So. Mm, there you go. Anyway, that's medical gaslighting. And all that energy, that came from like fury. Medical gaslighting is mm, infuriating. Mm.
0: I always can guarantee, like I almost can guarantee that every single person <laughs> listening to this will think back to a time where they yes. can relate to this, whether it's feeling inferior, whether it's not being able to get the test they wanted, being made to feel like they're exaggerating their symptoms or it's like in their head, mm-hmm. it's a mental thing like I guess making it just seem like they're making a big deal out of something that's not like I feel like every person can relate mm-hmm. to some extent like I just feel like it happens so often and like I can think even way before having PCOS like there's been other times in my life where this has happened to me in the medical yeah. world like it's just I just really comment and uh, yeah, I think you're right, Mel, like the more awareness that is brought to this, the less likely mm. it's going to happen or the more mm-hmm. likely that doctors are going to pull themselves up on it before, you know, they, they do it. Does that make sense? Like they're going to realize quickly, actually, Absolutely. that's not the right way to do it. And we say doctors, but actually it could be anyone in any medical profession. I've had it with physios before. Yeah. I've had it with dentists before. Yeah. Like, I, you know, it's it, yep. it happens in all aspects of life, but it happens in all aspects of medical What's the word I'm looking for? Like medical practices. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do? What do you do if you feel like you're being uh, gas, gaslighted, uh, gaslit, gassed? <laughs> I don't know.
1: Just gaslit. It's got to be gaslit. I
0: don't know. Do you know, everywhere I but, re- read about it, no one wrote gaslit. Everyone wrote gaslighted.
1: But doesn't so maybe- that sound Wrong gaslighted, it sounds, it sounds like I'm the wrong gaslighted. tense. It sounds like it sounds like bad English 100%.
0: <laughs> I agree, that's why I keep I automatically go to say gaslit.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't pull me up on it. I know
0: everyone's gonna message me being no. like it's gaslighted, <laughs> whatever. You know what we're trying to say. <laughs> okay,
1: so what do you do? Uh, yeah, so what do you do? I think one thing you can do is pull your doctor up on it and say that that's what they're doing and then see how that pans out mm. maybe you'll get somewhere mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe not Yeah. well my way of phrasing that is to be your own advocate like if you yes. have the courage yes. and I know it's it's not easy I turned my I, when I got turned away from five dollars, I did not stand up for myself I did not say no 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 I think there's mm-hmm. something wrong here until that doctor. Do you know what I mean? Like it took me a really long time to get to the point where I felt confident enough to stand up to a doctor or say, no, this isn't right. Or no, I feel like you should be looking into this further. So I understand you're not at that point yet, but back yourself, like I will, you guys Mm -hmm. know, like I will talk about being your own advocate till the cows come home. It is so important. It will fast track you and your journey so much more. Mm -hmm. I promise you, like in any aspect of your life, Mm -hmm. if you back yourself and you're an advocate for yourself and you understand what is going on, like you are are just – stepped ahead of other people who, who won't. And I can say this from experience of being on both sides of the coin, not standing up for myself and standing yep. up for myself. Yep. So yeah, if you believe you can stand up for yourself, if you believe you can question it, if you believe you can pull yourself, uh, pull them up on it, go for it. Uh, praise you. Yep. That is amazing. Like that is the absolute ultimate, I think in that situation. However, yep. some people can't and, and some people for whatever reason will do that. And it still won't achieve anything because you know, people uh, people are stubborn and, and that doctor might may or may not budge on what they have said to you. So then I think my mm-hmm. next thing would be to find a different provider and yes. that might not be one provider. You might then want to go and equip yourself with like a support team of different providers from different fields. Mm-hmm. So whether you've got your GP, yep. whether you've then also got your naturopath, whether they've got your Chinese medicine, like what it, whatever you want mm-hmm. to do, you might have a great Cairo, like what, whatever, whatever it is. But maybe mm-hmm. find your support system, or maybe you just find a really, really great GP that you can bond with. And I'm not saying bond with them as in like, oh, let's go out for a drink. Like that's not, that's not the aim of the game. (laughs) But to the point where you feel like that they are genuinely going to listen to you and you're going to allow this time for you to speak. Because the other issue is, is they give us 10 minutes. Like the consult is 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes, right? So like how much can you actually get done? So I think find a doctor maybe book a longer consult that's something that i think can be really helpful Mm. as well because then they sort of have to listen to you like you've paid for like half an hour or whatever so (laughs)
1: totally they can't
0: just like get you in and out in five minutes like you you paid for that half an hour so book a longer consult go through what, mm-hmm. what your concerns are. And my next one would be to prioritize your concerns because again, the time thing's an issue. Mm-hmm. People lose interest. So or you, get, you get sidetracked on a certain symptom or whatever it is. So prioritize mm-hmm. your symptoms and and how important they are to you. For example, like I, I wish I had done this for, for example, like my mm-hmm. acne was my biggest concern because it was like my physical concern, right? Like that was what I could see. That mm-hmm. was what was really causing me an issue. But if I had to sat back deep down, my biggest concern probably was I didn't have a menstrual cycle. Like I didn't, I wasn't having a menstrual cycle. And deep down, that is my biggest concern because that is, that is like Mm. my whole body, something is going wrong here. And I, you know, if I am going to want to have children, like regardless of if I want to have children, like there is something going on here that I'm not getting a a menstrual cycle. So I probably should have put that at the top of my list. And then those other (laughs) things after that, they're all concerns, but that's probably because that would have then
1: led to the other concerns. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. That's a really good tip. I just wanted to say, like, you want want to feel like you're part of the team and that's how you know you found a doctor that you bonded with, Mm. that they respect that you have input as well and that it's not just what they're saying that matters. It's also what you're saying. You know, you want a doctor who is interested and engaged in what you're saying. Like, that's a good sign of a good doctor Mm. that you can bond with and you want to feel comfortable and you just want them to be a warm person, you know, and I think that they're good signs that you've got someone you can work with and yeah. that's it. Like you are the centre of your healthcare team. Yep. In Really, you're kind of the boss of your healthcare exactly. team. And exactly. are like they're, like they're like advisors and you need to have great advisors that you trust and that you listen to because they're the experts but they also need to respect you and listen to you. Yeah. And, and even, even if you love the Western medicine approach and that's where you're going and even medicinally, like you're on the pharmaceutical train and that's what you want, that's fine. I also still encourage you to have a bit of a healthcare team around you that could include a naturopath purely for those longer consults mm. where you can really talk things out and get to the bottom of things. And you can Always do both. You can Absolutely. always combine pharmaceutical with natural medicine. In fact, like there are examples of where that has been so beneficial, especially when you start looking at things like IVF. There are natural approaches that really can support that journey. Mm-hmm. So, and I, anyway, I think well, that's kind of off topic. No, no, no. I
0: think that I think that's so true. I think it just again it comes back to like you knowing your rights, you knowing what you want and understanding, Mm -hmm. like you might not, I think this is the thing is we go there with our hopes and dreams, assuming that they're going to be able to fix everything. And that's generally not what happens. So if you can do a bit of your own Mm -hmm. research, you don't necessarily have to tell them that you've done your own research, but do your own research, go in there feeling a bit armed, a bit more confident, like you kind of know the direction you're wanting to go in, that you want to talk about. And that's Mm -hmm. probably going to streamline it for you. It's probably going to make it a bit quicker, but at the end of the day, if you don't like your provider, if you feel like this is, you're being gas lit, lighted, whatever, um, just, just find another p- provider. I think that's, that's what I would be doing because yeah. it's almost it's, no that's point. That's part having, of being your own advocate. Exactly. And there's almost no point having to sit there yeah. and have that fight. I think it's good to tell them and to no. pull them up on it for their own sake. But at the end of the day, yes. that person's probably still not going to have your back. That's what I think. anyway. No.
1: Yeah, I think if you're telling them that they're they're gaslighting you, they don't like you anymore. Also, how awkward to go back to But if enough people say it to them, maybe they'll go and look it up and yeah. then learn about it and stop doing it
0: <laughs> absolutely and just work out if it's gas anyway. gaslighted, because then you're gonna look stupid
1: <laughs> yeah oh i think coach is about to burst through this All door right, so oh, go. i gotta go but right. so guys. great to chat to you see ya bye, see ya. bye. <laughs>